inappropriate, like, oh my God. solicitation Finally. kind of from a penis. Yeah. In your Insta DMs? Yeah. And I want to say it was like an ad for like a male escort or something. Oh, he like, might have been the same like, one that wrote to me. Was he the one that said he wanted to fuck my throat? Do you remember that? Uh, no, no, no. Didn't say that to and me. And he said that he does like modeling and he'll come and do... It might have been the same guy. Oh my God, I'm going to have to go back and look. I can find the I screenshot. Like, <gasps> what is this? Wow. It, but it seemed also like I was tagged with a bunch... Of, like it was. Oh, a, I'm not into this that. This is the other thing. It was a group message. What the fuck? That is not okay. Like if you're going to send me yeah. nudes they better be just for me <laughs> right it's like we're, one of those auto messages where it like just changes the first name to match yours oh my god and yeah just like with dick pics do do you like the dick at all or not really like the one that i saw or yeah. just in general no no that one uh, you saw no i i don't think i did it's just it was like too, I, I don't want to it just feels like too much like i i can't just come out i just want i don't want just like Boom, there's a dick. No, I, I don't need either. to be like warmed up. I do appreciate that Instagram kind of blurs them. Blurs it, but then when I get a blurred picture, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like playing, it's like it's like the jack in the box. It's like, dun, 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 dun. and I'm like, oh, what's it gonna pop up? <laughs> and when it does, I'm like, ah! Oh, it's a dick. It's a dick. Why do you think you don't get them more often? Do you think you mm. send out the vibe that you are not okay with that? Yeah, my vibe just says, respect me. I bet wow. I deleted it. Mine does not I then. I don't know. No, you know, if I, if I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Do you get? Because I'm, I'm in the cute category. Oh, Nobody's stop. like, she's hot. Oh, that's like, not I'm true. Like, she's cute. Well, you're huge in the lesbian community. Well, okay. Yes. I Do you get propositioned a lot it. by lesbians in DM? Um, no, because they're like super respectful because women I are the know. best. That's true. Uh, yeah, right? It, they're more like, you know, they say cute things like, oh, uh, like wifey material or like dream girl or like stuff that you'd love to oh hear. Oh my God. It's just the best. That is Shout so- out to all my <laughs> ladies out there. Yeah. Keep them coming. Yeah, I see their comments and they're just really, they just are enamored more than um, drooling or kind of like sexual. Oh, yeah, and that's real nice. It's very nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. You're a lucky, lucky lady. Yeah. But I'm like, hello, my tits are down here. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. <laughs> I am compiling um, our greatest moments, and I asked oh. people on Facebook what their favorite moments were of the last 330 episodes, and <laughs> that is one of my favorites is when I said that I would I should be a stripper because I'm good at making conversations. <laughs> And I wrote down the other day because I was like, this is so funny. I I was just like randomly putting on a a shuffle of our our show to like just have a laugh. And I had to like write down the Bollywood DVD at the (laughs) sales at the gynecologist. Please God, write that as uh, that is my favorite thing you've ever said. Why does that make you laugh so much? I don't know. It's so funny to me. The the, just the way you can picture it. Yes, and that's the way you told that story has me dying. <laughs> also, multiple people confirmed that 
our stories from Brazil were were in fact hilarious. Oh, good. Okay. And you didn't just have to be there. Because we were thinking we definitely went a little too insider on that one. No, they said it was so funny. My aunt said she was dying laughing. Oh my God, I'm so glad. That's great. Yeah. Um, another thing that's great is how Postmates will bring you whatever you want to your house any time of day or night, whether you want freaking sushi for breakfast or red wine for a midnight snack or whatever. I don't recommend sushi for breakfast, but if you want it, you, know you could get it. They do that in Asia, and I'm like, why not? Oh, actually, because like blocks. You go get it. Yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Throw some cream. Ch- make it a Philadelphia roll. Yeah. And if you want a coffee break at work, they'll bring you that. Whatever you need, Postmates will do it. Food delivery, grocery, grocery delivery, whatever you need. Um, download the app and get this deal. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use Brain Candy. It's code Brain Candy for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Brain Candy. I have been yes. using this a ton and it really is helpful if you think, oh, I need some ibuprofen, whatever, they'll bring it. Yeah. It's great. Um, okay. Wait, what were we talking about just then? Hmm, I don't know. I got real distracted thinking about food. <laughs> okay, well, let me, we'll move on then. Oh, we were talking about the greatest moments in Bollywood and then funny things oh that God. we have said and yes. just how you're hilarious. <laughs> yes, I really am excited to do the clip show, which I wanted to do when we hit 300, but who cares? It doesn't matter. Um I just think there have been so many funny moments and not just funny, like special, meaningful, You know whatever. what I want to do now? I would like to do a slideshow at our Brain Candy Meetup. Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like we're getting fan married. Picks, fan picks, like from people who are there with us that we've totally taken at all the other meetups and yeah. other events. Mm-hmm. Okay. The wheels are turning. <laughs> the wheels are turning. <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. by the time this episode airs, we will have had our party, actually. Um, yeah. And that is for our book club, which you will have missed the book club party, but you can join the book club if you want. And so we, that you come to the next party. Yeah, because I want to make it a regular thing. And we have such a great group of men and women who mm-hmm. talk about books that we read together, but also just bond and talk about life. Yes. And it's really special. Yes. Um, Okay. I love it. I read this article this morning when I was in bed about um, somebody who went, tried to go a week without using plastic. Oh, how'd that work? Well, just as well as you might suspect because- It's impossible, right? Yeah. It's like almost impossible to avoid it. And if you, I think the article's important because you just don't think about it. Even the pen mm-hmm. I'm using right now is made of plastic. Oh, gosh. Right? Everything. Our clothes yep. often have plastic in them. Um, our makeup has those micro beads in them. Anything yep. with like that sparkles probably has a little bit of plastic in there. Yeah. And I've been really trying stuff. to do better about waste. And it really opened my eyes about stuff I hadn't even thought about. Like she said, one of the most difficult things to find a alternative for was mascara because the tube is always plastic. Oh. And the wand. 
that, oh, man, there's a lot of disposable stuff that we're like, we have to throw a lot away. Yeah. And you can't even clean it out and recycle it. It's just. No, you can't. It's just garbage. A lot of stuff you shouldn't clean out and recycle just for hygienic purposes though. Oh, That's really? That's difficult thing. You mean all the well, makeup yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's I know a big that they one, right? do have more things now that you could get in a tin and that are a little bit better, but most makeup products come in plastic. Yeah, I did just buy a, uh, a, a powdered sunscreen, like tinted powder that's like a SPF 45 and mineral based. And I was real happy to see that the, you can buy refills for it. You just buy, like, you don't have to rebuy the brush and everything like that. So I'm trying to do that, that more, but I could imagine every single thing is plastic. I'm looking around and I'm every single thing that I'm looking at is, I would not be able to use. It's funny that you brought up sunscreen because in addition to mascara, that was the other thing that they couldn't really find a suitable alternative for was, uh, Huh. non-plastic uh, sunscreen. Oh, well, they can just at least go the refill packs like uh, mine. So yours is a powder? Yeah, it's like a powder and it has a brush attached to it and the brush, the powder kind of goes through the brush and the brush disposes the powder on your face, you know, like a... Is it just for t- your face or also your body? Just for your face. Oh, okay. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. Yeah. But, I think you can, I mean, you can make your own, but like, who's got time for that? Well, I should hold you accountable on the air here because the other day, uh-oh, uh-oh, Sarah Miss carrying around a metal straw because she's so anti, you know, single use plastics. I was preparing a doggy bag of banana bread for Sarah to take home with her. Uh-huh. And I was putting it in that reusable silicone plastic, uh, or what do you call it? Reusable baggie. And yeah. you were like, don't you want to put it in one of those Ziplocs? <laughs> yeah, what? Did I, was it just because I wasn't going to bring it back? You said, I will never remember to bring this back to oh, you. Oh, that's it. That yeah. was for sure. A hundred percent chance. Like, I'm not remembering. This is I can't even remember to bring the, the stuff out of my own car. <laughs> I, li- I live, live with it. I mean, the car's right there. I was like, Sarah, I'm trying to save the earth here. And you were like, I know, but I'll never remember. I know. know. So like, which is worse? Me, the money you're going to have to eventually spend on buying a new one (laughs) because I've lost it or sending me home with a Ziploc baggie. I mean, for emergency purposes. And this was an emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Banana bread's always an emergency. (laughs) Banana bread (laughs) emergency. But it is difficult. And but... Since it's unavoidable that we're going to use plastic sometimes, just to be aware of it makes you think of alternatives when you can. So I think that's yeah. a start. And, and Awareness so. is the thing that's so important. Yeah. I just gave my brother a huge lecture oh, no. because he came over and, uh, you know, they were like spending the night for like four days or so. And I went upstairs. I'm like, oh, you guys are all out of toilet paper. Why didn't you say something? And my brother's like, well, I've been using baby wipes. And I was like, have you been flushing those down the toilet? He's like, don't worry. I rip them up into eighths before, fourths before I use them. And then it's not a problem. And I was like, can you just go on your phone and Google Fatberg for me? And he Googled it. And he was like, oh, my God. And being the, you know, future mechanical engineer that he is, he's like, well, I have to invent something to break this up and to start like going through pipes and, and getting rid of this. 
I'm like, oh my this god is why, this is why we need people like my brother in the world because he looks at that and is like well i gotta solve that and this i look at that so and i'm like funny. i gotta throw up i love how in your family like you tell them what for and then they just are fine with it <laughs> you know they're like oh I, you've really taught me something valuable that would not happen in my family what they just dig their heels in and like, like, like fuck resist off. to change? Yeah. Oh my god! No, we're like all open to learning new information from each other, and are like at any given moment, like, yeah, tell me, I'm into it. Let me know. That's real nice. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was surprised that he didn't know about this stuff already, since he's so like. Me into too. All they're that. very yeah. They're usually really um, on top of that. Your family. Yeah. I told Sarah that when I saw her brother Jordan at her graduation party, I developed a crush on her brother. Oh, he's so adorable, isn't he? I mean, he is so sweet. I know, he's the nicest. I want to set him up with somebody. I'm I'm like waiting to find the perfect person. Yeah, I love him. He's so sincere and earnest. Yes, that is him. I just love people like that. I said to Adam, there was no bullshit. Like you knew that what he was saying to you was just like him saying what he really feels. Which it's totally sadly true. is kind of unusual. And he's so congruent. Like mm-hmm. whatever he's feeling on the he will just share. Like he he did it. He my aunt and I were talking about this too. Before he went in, he just said to her, like, Oh man, I get so nervous when I'm in public and, and like have to go to parties. Like I'm mm-hmm. just so nervous right now. And he just says it and she goes, Oh, I get nervous too. And then he feels better and then they have a moment and they share. And everybody said that about my brother. Like, oh, he just makes it, you feel so good. And yeah, there's no I told pretense. him, uh, right. I told him that you uh, had a big old crush on him mm-hmm. and he texted me back and he said, yes, I still got it. Tell him the <laughs> feeling is mutual. And he said, but then I make a really creepy face and do a strange laugh. So sorry. He didn't at all. I love him. Yeah. I'll tell her that I'll tell him that yes. you said he didn't at all. Oh my It'll God. Feel good to hear that. Um, like you got it, dude. Another thing that'll make you feel good and is good for the planet is using a Quip electric toothbrush because they only replace the head. So they'll send you a head every three months to replace. And so you're not getting a new toothbrush every three seconds that you then throw in the garbage. And this is a great um, gift for a new grad or whatever, anybody in your life because it's so cute and fun, but who's going to buy you know, people don't think, oh, I need a toothbrush today. So that's why you got to get it for them. Oh, that's so smart as the grad gift. I told my little brother who was looking for a gift for his friend who was graduating, what should I get him? I said, get him something fancy that he wouldn't normally get for himself, but looks yeah. really nice. And I know that they have that all black, like metal-y looking, like gunmetal yeah. one. Get mm-hmm. that. Oh my yeah. gosh. I think you can even get it with a, like, can you get it with your initials on it or something? I feel like oh. that was a thing. If, if not, not we'll get put a label that maker. Slap that box. on. Yes, yes. <laughs> but like if That's someone's going gift, off to college, idea. they could get this. It mounts to your mirror. It's super sleek. So you know how dorms have very little room. And this yes. way, it doesn't take up room in your bathroom. It has a built-in two-minute timer. pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides. They have them for kids as well. My kid has one. They're really great. And that's why we love Quip. And over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash brain candy right now, you get your first refill pack for free. It's your first refill pack for free. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash brain candy. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, buy one for yourself. You don't have to just do gifts. Buy one for yourself. Yeah, man, that metal one. Oh, it looks so nice. Cute, right? 
They even have a couple set that they just came out with. Oh my God, I shouldn't be Googling this while I'm supposed <laughs> to be working. Right, Sarah, focus. No. But a couple set? That is super cute. Black and rose gold? <laughs> I'm into that. She's on it. Yup. Um, Any hoodles. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? I have stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, lay it on me. Um, I read this article about people that clean the streets in the mornings, like before the commuters mm-hmm. come into the city, they clean up all the needles and the poop. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is not what I was expecting you to say that they, I mean, poop, I understand. And hopefully it's dog, not human. Oh, it's but- human. Okay. It's human. Now it's a thing. Please explain. It was really helpful for me because you know how you know, the goal of a municipality or, you know, a civic world is to kind of make these type of problems invisible. So we have to get rid of those needles and the poop before actual humans start wandering around and being like, why is there poop and needles everywhere? Um, So oftentimes we're shielded from the realities of homelessness, drug addiction, things like that. So this this, is such a good point. Yeah. Journalists went in and decided to spend a day with the people that wake up at like three in the morning, get down to the city, 4.35, and um, have to see what has been left for them by folks. Um, And it was describing, you know, how they know whether it's human feces versus animal. Um, The peanuts. Did you say the penis? The peanuts. (laughs) Why did you just say that? I just thought it was funny. (laughs) Which one has peanuts? Who do you, what, dogs aren't chopping, chewing, chowing down on peanut, on trail mix? I thought you meant like squirrels, you know? Oh, that would be funny. No, I would imagine squirrel poo is much tinier and harder to detect. And maybe they chew up those peanuts a little better. Oh my God. I don't think they come out whole like Who's they do in Who's eating ours. that many peanuts though? I don't know. It's just what I imagine. I Human, really Like that. every time I like, like cartoon, cartoon poo, I always just picture peanuts in it. I don't know why. That's weird. Good Lord. The, well, yeah, it's also the, the peanuts, <laughs> the peanuts, and then um, you know, toilet paper or any kind of wiping is only done oh, by humans, of course. Yeah, and they said oh, also, gross. like when oh it's, my god, I'm sick. Choker warning. <laughs> also, when it's like hanging off the wall, like oh my god, I know what you mean. Yeah, right. They're wall sitting, and they're yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But. They um Okey-dokey. They use the grabbers to get the everything, even cardboard, whatever, because there's often needles underneath, oh and you God. they don't want to prick themselves. Um, and think about it. let's imagine what it would be like to be homeless, truly living on the street. Yeah. Um, there really aren't places to go to the bathroom. In fact, no, there, there have been times when I've just been out and about and been like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go to the bathroom, and I gotta go. Yeah. And oh my gosh. that's just something we take for granted when we're um, not home and secure. Mm-hmm. And these folks, they got to go. Well, and also if you needed to go and you're dressed like you're dressed and you go into a gas station yeah. bathroom, nobody bats an eye. But if you're somebody who is housing insecure and been living on the streets for a while, you do not, you, they don't let you come in. Right, right. You're immediately uh, asked yes. to leave yes. places. And, and that's the other part of this job oh, that these people so do sad. is that they have to go around and wake up all the homeless people and tell oh. them to move um, from basically outside of businesses because that's not 
uh, legal. Yeah, yeah. Because the business owner has to get do a business, but it's sort of like where do they go? And that's why a different article that I read about how libraries have become the sort of de facto spot for folks that don't have homes or that maybe struggle with addiction Mm -hmm. and how valuable libraries have become to Mm. not just people getting books, but people that have nothing uh, in the world except that space. It's We need like public, oh, we need more like housing. I think it was somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, maybe Seattle or Portland is looking to do bathrooms that have a security guard and are available to homeless folks um, so that they have somewhere to go. (laughs) And they put up, uh, uh, I mean, they're just porta potties, but mm-hmm. at least it's something where you know, in areas where there is a lot of homeless, uh, um, like makeshift residents, or you know, like where they're like ten, ten cities kind of, mm-hmm. and they've in or in the city of Orange, next to where I go to school, have added, uh, you know, porta potties. Yeah, and it's, nobody wants it, and it's the not in my backyard thing. Nobody wants yeah. a porta potty by yeah. their own place, right. but. Most people would agree, oh, yeah, they should probably have somewhere to go to the bathroom. But yes. nobody wants to be a part of the solution. Oh, gosh, it's so hard. And I, it is important to see that kind of stuff. You know, it makes you think that maybe, like, yeah, it's like all we're just pulling, like, I don't know, putting a cover over it. And Well, that's why I'm so impressed with community planners because these people uh-huh. have to get in and actually weigh the the problem and the possible solutions cuz you're never going to find something that makes everybody happy that's correct or that solves Ugh. all the problems so you have to kind of pick your poison mm-hmm. and that's a really tough job and everyone's probably mad at you all the time but they're really doing their best and i that's why i'm so grateful one of the reasons i'm so grateful for librarians and the work that they do cuz now they have to have like freaking training in methadone or whatever the heck that is Man, what's that stuff yeah, that they narcan. use narcan narcan thank you yeah 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 mm. luckily it's just a sn- right up the nose it's a nasal spray is it do they have just that or is there shot versions now it's just admitted uh through the through the nasal like through inhalation through nasal cavities, like oh a little, and that's the only way I've ever seen it administered. Right. Well, yeah. thank God. But it's just like they just want to be nerdy and do book stuff, and now they're like administering right. friggin' overdose God. prevention. I couldn't. I could. Oh man, that would be so hard to do. Right. God. But anyway, so that was interesting, and it's just something you don't person. usually think about. Right. So I love all hearing those jobs those stories. that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, I always loved that show, uh, dirty jobs with Mike Rowe. Oh my God. Did you ever right? see that? Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 That's a good it one. So good. You know, I feel like the same with our sanitation workers, like they're, they're doing the Lord's work out there. Cause I don't want to not want to do that. I feel like a lot of kinship towards people who get their hands dirty and do actual Mm -hmm. hard work because Mm -hmm. the rest of us are like i'm an influencer i have a podcast right it's like oh and i think there's nothing wrong with some you know my mom worked as a a a maid like a housekeeper in hotels how was that she said she liked it because she liked cleaning oh really yeah did she she tell you any stories Hmm. i'm sure she did i don't remember any 
But there was like weird stuff, I'm sure, but nothing I remember. Um, another thing that can help you see some weird stuff is if you get a ring security system. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you could probably prevent somebody from at- going to the bathroom where they're not supposed to <laughs> if you have one of these. Just find the culprit. <laughs> <laughs> All the uh, random be- front yard poopers we've read about yep. in the news. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You might already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. It helps you stay connected to your home, though, from anywhere in the world because you can connect with your phone. If you get a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll just get an alert and be able to see and hear and speak to them right from your phone. And then thanks to the HD video and two-way audio features on the Ring devices, you can communicate and say, oh, leave the package or whatever you need to tell them or buzz off, get off my lawn. (laughs) As a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring starter kit available right now with a video doorbell and motion-activated floodlight cam. The starter kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Just go to ring.com slash brain candy. That's ring.com slash brain candy. Yeah. I just read a crazy article uh, a little bit ago on, I think it was on that ifuckinglovescience.com, that great website, that was talking about how uh, researchers have discovered a, what they call the Achilles heel of cancer in broccoli. It really? says, Yeah, it says broccoli isn't just good for you. It also holds a molecule that could be the Achilles heel of cancer. This is ringing a bell. Yeah, so there's there's a a tiny molecule in broccoli mm-hmm. that deactivates the gene that's responsible for cancerous tumor growths. Yeah. And the gene is called WWP1. And this is cancer across the board, not a certain kind. Oh, good question. Yeah, I think it's cancer across the board because huh. it has to do with the way that the tumor grows. And so they're saying you should just eat a bunch or what? Well, it's not... Those things are always like... like you have to make sure you have, where you'd be on the headline. Because yeah. in order to get the advantages of this just from broccoli and it's like pure, you know, eating it like regular broccoli, you'd have to eat six pounds of raw broccoli a day. Oh, Lord. Imagine how gassy you'd be. So what do they say? Take a... What do they do? Really, it's what they're what they can do is then use this yeah. molecule to then mm-hmm. create cancer fighting drugs and you know isolate it, synthesize whatever the heck they do past it. And it says it could be the key to unlocking one of the most important tumor suppressors in the history of cancer genetics. So, yay! Wow, I hope yeah. they're onto something with that. Yeah, I hope so too. Because I always thought that it was sort of like. We call it cancer, but each cancer has to be fought in a specific way. So I didn't Ooh. think there was going to be maybe a more of a one-size-fits-all thing. But if there is, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah, nowhere in, uh, uh, in the article did it mention any specific kind or what they were using it on. They just said that it showed to stop cancer growth in mice and in human studies, which cool. is really promising, right? I love broccoli. I don't know what the big thing is when people. Think I do it's too. Gross. I like it too. It's yummy, and it's a great vehicle like for other... cheese and butter. Yes. And salt. Um, what do they call it? Cru- cruciferous vegetables, I think, is how you say it. What's that? Like, do you like other ones like that? It's like cabbage, kale, mm-hmm. Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. there you go. You just like those ones. Are My they husband like the... can cook the best Brussels sprouts. 
ever. He cooks What's them with the fish secret? sauce. They're like Thai Brussels sprouts. Mm. Oh my God, Suze, you would love these. I could go because I know some. how you love fish fish sauce. I do. I do love fish sauce. Yum! Tell him to whip me yes. up some. What's a girl gonna do around mm, here? Mm, 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 mm. I'll make a banana bread, you. and he can make me that, and we'll trade. We'll trade. Yeah. I read this thing about an. You know, you've been reading a lot about how the uh, magic of tidying up Marie Kondo stuff is yes. causing a lot of donations to mm. Goodwill and other oh. charity shops, mm-hmm. thrift shops, and um, it was. It was in Slate, this article, and it was saying the same thing, that, of course, the show inspired a lot of people to purge a lot of their possessions um, and that the donation centers throw most of it away, that it's truly garbage, Mm -hmm. and that the article Mm. was sort of a reminder that what we maybe would should focus on now is not buying so much. Yep. Absolutely. You know? I think that's it. Oh, like, God. We just really to be a little to more careful about maybe looking for a used item or, yeah. make, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, in so many different classes, I remember hearing, like, what they would always ask us, like, what is the most uh, uh, environmentally conscious car to buy? Okay. And the answer, what do you think it is? Am I supposed to pick a car? Yeah. What do you think is the car that's the best for the environment? I don't know. A used one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's it, is that we're all just buying these new things, and it's mm-hmm. really, like, not good. Yeah. You know? And the, yeah. if, yes, okay, great. You can purge your house, get decluttered and organized, but then maybe try to be a little more discerning about what to bring in moving forward. Yes. Um, I'm trying to do that. Even just as simple as when I go to a kid's party, like we don't need all those goodie bags and stuff. Totally don't. Don't need stuff. Because it all ends up in the garbage. That's why I really loved your idea um, on that you, I guess you shared it. It was one of the the women who was on the real world or road Mm -hmm. rules a long time ago, but of putting the, making the Lego Easter eggs of, like yeah. repurposing your own Legos. Yeah. Like there's so much stuff that you can repurpose and re like, yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. those little all dollar store trinkets. I get it. Kids like getting crap, but it really is just too much. And yeah. it really does all end up in the landfill. So how do we, yeah. How do we like, I don't no. even think kids care if they get a freaking goodie bag. If you hand it to them, sure, that's nice. But right. they're, they're not waiting for it. No, no, that's for sure. And just get them candy, for goodness sake. I swear it's for the parents. It totally is. And it's, yeah, but I, I do know. have, like, I, I'm like this, and so is my uh, sister-in-law, little sister-in-law, Olivia, where we both like the hunt for stuff. Like, we... You give us $5 and a trip to the dollar store and we're like, you know, in heaven. Yeah. And like, I want to be able to, you know, find, I don't know. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, So I do like that stuff and I like stuff, but I'm trying to be more minimal in. Well, one thing I I started doing recently was when we got our cat and, um, 
I was thinking about how back when I had cats before, it was when we had so many plastic bags. And so when you'd clean out the litter pan, you'd just Mm -hmm. use an old plastic bag. And it was like, okay, Mm -hmm. good. But now I just don't have plastic bags around. So I was like, I don't want to buy them. And so I realized that what I have too many of are used um, envelopes that books come in and things from Amazon. Oh, yeah. And they are perfect for putting the litter in. And then Great. tossing. And so I am able to use something I have way too many of and not mm-hmm. buy new plastic bags just for poop and pee. Yeah, that's a really smart idea. And I like, like that one. you know, even if you were taking your dog out, if you have one of those soft mailers, you can throw it in there. Oh, yeah. I'm always use, like anything that I can reuse. Anything. Yeah. Even like old. Uh, Ziploc baggies that like, you know, maybe your banana bread, I feel like why not save some of those? And it's perfect for that. Yeah, you just got to get creative. The bag that your bread comes in, throw it in there. Yep. Totally. We just don't think Uh of it Uh because we're not in the habit. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Another habit you need to get into is playing with your freaking kids because let's face it, school's out, summer's here, and your kids are probably already saying they're bored and we have a solution, which is KiwiCo subscription boxes, which are freaking adorable. They have boxes for every age of child, including, you know, the grown-up kids that like to play too. And they send you a box with a project in it so you can play with your kid and they're learning at the same time and it's super fun. So Lincoln got a box recently and in it was a kit to make a mechanical sweeper which is so adorable. And it's using the same technology that was used in this little thing I got for Sarah one time where when she erases after she draws, like I got her this mechanical eraser that picks up all the crap that your eraser leaves behind. Anyway, Lincoln got like a big version of that that we are going to get to put together and he's going to love it. And then you can paint it and it's really cute. They have, a like I said, a box for each age group. You get a new box for each month to do with your kids and um, it's fun and engaging and something different instead of staring at a screen, which is always nice. Um, And you guys are going to love it and it's super affordable. KiwiCo is a convenient, affordable way to encourage your children to be anything they want to be. For our listeners, just go to kiwico.com slash brain candy to get your first month for free. Every day counts when it comes to making a difference. So don't miss out on this amazing opportunity. Again, go to kiwico.com slash brain candy and get your first month free. That's kiwico.com slash brain candy. K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash brain candy. You're going to love it. It's super cute. What more do you want? Hello. Right? Jesus. Hello. I'm just trying to help you guys out. Yeah. Oh, anyway, don't buy too much stuff. That's what I'm taking yeah, away from that. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. You just get you in know. the habit of like, oh, I'll just go and buy that. I'm trying to think, oh my gosh, and Landon is, oh, check, oh, I'm going to just go ahead and throw him under the bus here. He's the worst <laughs> because he doesn't check what we already have. Yeah. And in fairness, in his defense, we I, we did get into this the other day. I'm a reorganizer, so sometimes he doesn't know where I put the new backstock of all mm-hmm. the you know whatever. So I have to be better at at you know filling him in on where things go and like doing a check. And you know maybe even like those apps where you can share lists. And so we like 
if he puts something on for the grocery store and maybe like I'm at home, I can just uncheck it, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. Like, oh no, we've got this. Like we got to get better at stuff like that. Cause we what do you end up with like no too joke. much of? Oh my God. I have four boxes of kosher salt <laughs> and not the little ones. I don't have enough Stop. closet space for that many boxes of kosher Bring salt. Bring one over. I need some salt. Oh, okay. I got, I got you. I'll, I have a whole <laughs> box so of funny. kosher salt. So it's like weird random things or like couscous. I have four <laughs> boxes of couscous, which is like great, but we don't eat couscous that much. Right. That's funny. Of all you know? things. So it's like stuff like that. It's like really, really super random stuff that you're like, right. you know, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Bring the salt over here. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I will. Yeah, it's smart. I You'll saw it. this picture the other day um, on Twitter of changing the subject. This woman went to a city council meeting and she decided she knits while she's at the meetings just to keep busy. And mm-hmm. she decided when the men spoke, she was going to knit in green. And when the women spoke, she was going to oh, knit in red. Oh my God. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> right? Okay, so that is super cool. We had a very, well, it was red for men. Sorry, it was red for men, oh. green for women. So it was a very red scarf in the end. Oh my God, of course it was. And it's funny because the stereotype is that women talk a lot more. And, you know, when they've done studies where they listen to I people don't. talk all day and they count how many words, women always say more words than men, but not in those settings. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder if, too, we talk really fast because we have to get everything in because we only have a certain amount of time to say it. Before we're interrupted. Yes. Yep. And yeah. then we just talk a lot because we're silenced so much. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if you were like, it's like when I was a little kid and my mom would say, okay, we're going to play the quiet game for five minutes. And then I'd play the quiet game. And then as soon as that five minutes would be up, I'd be like, oh my God, I have so much to tell you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I would go nuts. Well, and in things like board meetings, uh, work <clears throat> meetings, uh, city council meetings, these are the places where men want to be leaders. They want to be seen as powerful. Yep. And so they dominate those areas. And so she wanted to see a visual of it. And she was uh, effective in that. So green and red? Yeah. Was and it Christmas time? Maybe. Or maybe yeah. maybe she's making it for a Christmas gift. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. That's so funny. But it was a very It ends up looking more like a Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> yes. It's all red. I, what a Man, clever idea. what a idea. good idea. Mm-hmm. What can we call her a genius? She is a genius. She is a genius for thinking about that, right? But I love that. It, and then taking this very like stereotypical feminine activity, yeah, right, and, and using, using it, it to highlight the ways that we're, you know, there's gender inequality. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I I saw. I haven't read the article yet, but I saw a headline about um, how scholars have begun studying stereotypical feminine things such as knitting um, that had been previously ignored because they're women's activities Mm -hmm. and the importance of certain things that have been largely ignored by scholarship because we tend to focus on the things that men prefer like sports. Yes. You know, so I I will... More likely to have the history of basketball than the history of knitting. Yeah. And so I look forward to reading the article because I, just from reading the headline, you know, oh, this is up my alley. 
Um, yeah. You know, I want to hear more about the implications of things that are understudied mm-hmm. and mm. how they impact our lives and whatever. And like what could, there's, I, there's this adorable little kid who is like, calls himself like the world's fastest knitter or something like that. Oh, really? He's like 10 years old and it's so cute. And he is this crazy good knitter. And he talks about how it's like, who cares if people say it's a girl thing? Like, I don't care. I'm like doing something I love and I'm really good and I'm learning all this great stuff. And he just had some really cute, I think I sent this to you too. Really? It was so long ago. Oh my gosh. But it was like one of those like little inspirational like Instagram videos or something. And just the things he was saying about how it didn't matter what other people thought. If it brings you joy, you should do it. And he gets better and better at it every day. So why would he want to stop doing something like this? I'm like, we should all be more like this kid. And talks about how, oh, and he said what he wants to be when he grows up is a surgeon. And how this is the best thing to keep his hands really strong and to be a really good surgeon when he's grown up. Cool. So cute. I wonder who taught him. I think his grandma. That's awesome. Yeah. He's so cute. I love stuff like that. I know. The most precious. I'm going to have to find that video and put it on my Instagram again. Did you see that guy who had... It was probably in Florida. I don't know why. I think it is. That, but They always come. Right. Yep. Sorry, Florida. And he had a uh, sticker on the back of his truck that just said, I eat ass. Oh my God, I have seen these. You have? Yes. What? I have seen this sticker in real life. What is the point of putting it on your car? I don't know. It's weird. Was it a truck? Yeah, I believe so. And he got pulled over. And the policeman tried to give him a ticket, you know, for profane language on his car and stuff. Mm. But then he sued and fought it. And what they found in his favor, he believed that it was protected under the First Amendment and that he should be able to have free speech and say that he likes to eat ass. Okay. okay. I mean, I understand that it is his First Amendment right. But I'm trying to think if, like, if you walked around with a T-shirt that said, I, I eat ass, <laughs> nobody would, like, you'd get some looks, but you probably wouldn't get a ticket. Yeah, maybe though. I don't know. What if it said the what F are the word? rules maybe. about that? And like, where do we draw the line? Because I have a shirt that says, I, I can't believe I still have to protest this shit. And so oh, right. my shirt has profanity on it, but it's in a different context. Right, so, right. So, you know, even though I, I, I agree with his right to eat whatever body part of the woman as long as it's consensual. Or man. <laughs> or man. Oh, good mm-hmm. point. He could mm-hmm. totally, you know, maybe that maybe he's the one who's really interested in those clean bubbles. <laughs> and he's like, I said I eat ass. I would really like to make sure that the the dining table is cleaned off. <laughs> so maybe it's the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so that's okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, know. I'm just happy for him that he's found his passion. Because think that's... about how much you'd really like you like eating ass to make it a sticker and put it on your car. Yep. Or is he just one of those kind of people who's looking to just stir the pot and be like... Or toss the salad, as it were. Oh, my God. Stop. (laughs) Stop. 
<laughs> right? Oh my God, that's great. Yeah, that. There you go. Um, I think that I can kind of picture who this is and yeah. like what he listens to hardcore music. Yeah. Not like there's anything wrong with that, but he definitely does. And he's just like the anarchist who's just looking to push the envelope. Yes. Well, I, yeah, whether I you eat ass or whatever you do eat, you probably aren't getting all the vitamins you need. <laughs> there's definitely not enough vitamins in ass. <laughs> and poor, poor ritual they're gonna be like Susie. <laughs> yeah this is not what we had in mind <laughs> ritual vitamins are awesome i we sarah and i were saying how this is the longest we've been able to continuously take vitamins because usually yes. i do it because i believe i should but i hate them so much that i quit yep. but these taste like mint and they don't make me sick i can eat them or take them on empty stomach if i want and i am all for that so if you're not getting the vitamin D3 or the omega-3 or whatever else that are the gaps in your diet, Ritual will help you with this daily vitamin, um, vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, all that good stuff. And it's a subscription, so it comes right to your door. As soon as you need more, there they are. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during the first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women a small step that supports a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash brain candy to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during the first three months at ritual.com slash brain candy. Sarah, we have a guest. Oh, yay. I love a guest. This is super fun. Her name is Tembi Locke, and she wrote a book called From Scratch. It's her memoir, and it also happens to be Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for oh, um, May. Oh, wow. Reese loved it. I'm in. Right. And... I'm so happy for her because I believe this is the first book she's written. She's an actress. She was in Dumb and Dumber 2, um, lots of other, lots of TV shows. And she wrote this book because she's an African-American woman who fell in love uh, while she was visiting Europe with a man from Italy. And mm-hmm. her his family didn't approve. And mm-hmm. they got married anyway. And so that was difficult. And then he unfortunately got sick and passed away. Oh. And so this is a love letter in a way and to honor his memory. And it's just about love and when you're a caregiver for someone who's sick and then oh. dealing with grief. And then his he happened to be a chef. And so a lot of it is about the healing power of food and the ways oh, that this. yeah, food, family, and friendships can sustain us as humans. And it's a beautiful book. I really recommend it. And she's a really fun, lovely person. And she was super fun to interview. And um, so we're happy to have her on the show. Um, so I hope you guys all check out her book, From Scratch. And please welcome to the show, Tembi Locke. Welcome to Brain Candy Podcast. Congratulations on your Yay. amazing book. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. How the heck are you feeling about... Everyone <laughs> reading your life story, man. Okay, loaded question. <laughs> A loaded question. I have all the feelings yeah. imaginable, which is yeah. what have I set into motion <laughs> to, oh my gosh, my kids, oh my God. friends, parents, to, I mean, it's everything. My dad, my dad, my dad. <laughs> right. okay, I'm just going to stop there. Right, so, say no more. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, when you're writing, you're in the space, you know, as a writer, Mm -hmm. my job is to bring all 
of my flaws, vulnerability, joys, you know, let you into every aspect of my psyche, right? And then (laughs) I do that on the page. And then there's this other piece that as a first time writer, I don't think I really got that then there's the share. (laughs) Now there's the share. And those are really two different things. Right. And when you're writing a book, you spend a lot of time alone and you're very introspective, I imagine. And then now everyone wants you to talk about it nonstop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. Do Yeah, they do. Do you have a feeling of like, I have regrets? (laughs) No, I don't really have regrets, but I have to really like um, internally check in with myself, right? And then I also gave myself the pass that like, you know what? I kind of said everything I wanted to say in the book. And if there's a question I don't want to answer... I kind of don't have to. Yeah. Do you how know what fun I mean? is that? Like, I invited, you, I invited you into this. Yeah. Like, I don't mean you, you, Susie, yeah. but I mean, like, whomever. And so I don't, I, I kind of have given the part that I want to give, and now it's the extra. And yeah. if I don't feel like giving any extra, that's okay. That's okay. Because the really, the work, the joy, the, the deep stuff is in the yeah. Book, right. Yeah. And it, it's in that journey of traveling there. And the joy for me was in the, I love the, I do love parts of the share too. Don't get me wrong. It is very fun, you know? Um, but sometimes I'm asked questions, which are the deep dive into the harder parts of the book. Mm. Right. Right. I'm sure it's very <laughs> so. draining, but I bet it's really cool to hear from folks who can relate and share experiences that you've had. That must be really gratifying. Oh my gosh, Susie, you have no idea. It has lifted me. That part has like, so yes, to your point of writing alone, you know, sort of a solo isolated experience. And now this piece, when I get like on social media or um, mm. the email or the, 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 the comments, you know, which I haven't been you know, reading them all by choice, yeah. but some things have come through and I've been like, oh my gosh, like I got this, you know, sort of Twitter um, exchange with a, a woman whose dad was from Cyprus, mm. another island in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. mother, African-American. Mm. She spent every summer as a child on Cyprus with her grandparents. And she shared with me how her parents, grandparents, never really accepted her mom. (sighs) Now, when I had to write my story, would I have ever, could I have ever imagined a world in which someone was going to be sharing? (laughs) And she said, and she said, I want to give my mom your book for Mother's Day because I could see, she could see her mom's journey in a different way. (sighs) And she was also connecting to, you know, it was just, so uh, yes, the shares, the way in which aspects of my story are intersecting with other people's lived experiences and to the degree that they want to share that with me or the degree to which I can, we all can see how we're really not alone in any of this. Yes. Like there's no single experience that I have in that book that a million other people haven't had to a degree. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's the fact that it, I mean, we all are walking these complex paths each day and we're navigating so much. And yet often we feel very alone. And I know grief makes us feel alone. So I definitely felt alone. And caregiving. I was a caregiver. That is a very, you know, motherhood can even feel isolating. Right. Oh my God. Especially new motherhood. Forget it. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Whenever you set out to write this book, did, was it an act of courage or was it for you like, yeah, this is just me being me and no big whoop? Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 
I had to put on my courage <laughs> underpants every day. Like, if I could have okay. worn underoos each day to write this book, no, 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 no. Okay. okay. This was a, an act of bravery on a new plane and on a level that I constantly was asking myself, why did I seek to do this? Okay. Why? Because I knew that in order to do it well and in order to do it authentically and truthfully, I had to go there. And to go there means to be brave in every sense, in the sense of being brave in terms of sharing the vulnerability. Like, I'm a first-time writer. Like, is this all going to, like, technically come together? Can I actually carry a narrative from page one to page 297, right? Yeah, but Can how I do are that you so good at it? I don't get it. Oh, thank you. It, you know, that's the piece. I think when I gave myself permission to yeah. just mess it all up. And by the way, we have... I had like so many drafts and then I worked with a very loving and great editor who saw the story because, I, and you know, I can share very directly, like the draft, my original manuscript that I gave to her was, you know, it was a hundred pages too long and like, I don't know, 30,000 words too long. Do you know what I mean? So it was, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of all there, but it was, it was, it was a mess. I mean, not a total mess, but enough of a, but it was authentic and it was real and mm-hmm. it had everything it needed to have. And so that was, you know, just getting to that point was huge. And of course, then I had to sort of redo it all, oh my God, right? <laughs> which was another act of bravery, which was like another, so yeah. I mean, I think writing is an act of bravery. I mean, I think showing up in life is an act of bravery. And then showing up on the page is another act of bravery. Especially when you're telling your own story. (gasps) When you're telling your own story. And, you know, choosing to be brave about the places where things weren't so nice or Mm -hmm. easy. Or brave about the deep emotional stuff or the shadow feelings, right? Or the ways in which I wish I'd done something differently. Yeah. I always talk about that, how regret to me is the scariest and worst feeling. And if you have to walk through it, you're writing through and working through all this stuff and you have to just go for it. That's scary, man. Yeah, but you know what you just said, which really resonates with me, is this idea of regret. So I did reach a point, and I think this what this is actually, I'm so glad you said that, because it's one of the driving sort of energetic forces for me, is I reached a point about five years after Sato passed, where I was approaching that fifth anniversary, and for people who've walked the path of losing someone deeply close to them, the five years is sort of a marker, right, mm. out there in loss. And there was something about that anniversary approaching. And I knew that if I didn't write this story, if I didn't attempt to commit it to page, if I didn't attempt to express it, I would feel a deeper grief mm. and I would regret it. I would regret having not mm-hmm. tried, not tried. You know, I need, I had to just sort of let me just go for it. Yes. And so I didn't want to live with that regret and I didn't want to live with additional grief. And I also, of course, wanted to create a kind of a, I was deeply, at that point, I felt really strongly that I wanted my daughter to have some kind of a love letter or like a legacy, an homage to her dad, mm. to this very specific time in our lives. What does she think of the book? Oh, gosh. You know, she's 14. Yeah. Yes. She's 14 now. So I will not speak for her. But I will say that I think she did say, she did say, she's told me she's proud of me, which, oh, okay, man. come on. Right? Oh, doesn't come get on. better than that. that. 
It doesn't. She has also kind of rolled her eyes a couple times, like, are we still talking about the book? Right, <laughs> right. Are we still talking? Like, it's only, you know, it's only been out, like, not even a month. <laughs> right, we get like, it. Okay. <laughs> and it was funny because I, I recorded the audio book for the book, oh, you right. know, and so she came into the studio one day and um, and she, she heard part of the recording and one of the things she said to me was, she was like, so wait a minute. You mean people are going to listen to you talk for like <laughs> nine Can't even to imagine. ten hours? Okay, that was funny. But, you know, I think, in, yeah, I do think she is, I do think she is um, pleased about it. I mean, yeah. she has not read it cover to cover. I've shared parts of her, parts of it with her. Yeah. Um, and I think she will, she will come to it on her own time when she's ready. Yes. And, it, it's, and it will live with her as, you know, she might read it differently at 17 as opposed to 25 and 35 and 45. You know, it will mean something different to her at different stages of her life. That's a really special my... thing for her. She might not even realize it. That's really special that she has it forever. I think so. I hope so. I hope that's, yeah, yeah. So... You know how when yes, motherhood, yeah, right. You know how when you're reflecting on a memory, and they say that every time you access a memory, it sort of shifts a bit and is kind of fluid, even though you would think that a memory is fixed. And I was wondering mm-hmm. when you're grappling with all of this story and you're writing it down and you, people are reading it, it, it seems like it would change over time. Is that accurate at all? <laughs> I feel like that's actually very accurate, and I think I think it's one of the challenges in memoir, right? Because mm-hmm. at any given moment, we are where we are in our memory. And one of the things that I really had to confront in terms of, of writing a memoir and grief is that in losing my husband, half of my memories were hijacked. Yes. Right. So the person with whom I shared half of these memories is gone. So now I really felt sort of, you know, almost handicapped to a degree, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, okay, can I remember all of this? You know, did I get this right? Which made me kind of go to source material, which were letters and looking at calendars, photographs, trying to sort of recall, right? Because at first glance, I might think, oh yeah, it happened this way. And then I would go to a letter and I'd be like, oh wait, actually there was this. Yes. You know? And so, so there was that process of sort of just trying to excavate the memory and then make sure that I was being, you know, really, um, you know, sort of honest to it. But then your own, it, the honesty is filtered through me. And, mm. and at a certain point, I realized I'm just going to have to write, write it the way I remember it. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, like, there was a part in the editing process where I came across something and I realized, oh, my gosh, I actually think I remembered that differently. You know what I mean? Like I sat with some detail that I, in the editing process where I thought something was in one place, but it was in another place. And I kind of woke up in the middle of the night, like, Oh my God, I think I got that detail wrong. Ah," You know, and sweating bullets. And then I thought to myself, (laughs) wait a minute, it's a memoir. And it's, this is how it worked. It didn't change the anything material to the story, but it certainly was just, I realized, Oh, memory is fickle. Isn't that memory is fickle? It's fickle. And now I, have will have the memory of the writing of the memory. Yes. <laughs> Which get another memory removed from the original memory. Super meta. Okay, that's a little bit of the matrix there. <laughs> right. It's a pretty wild experience. I can't even imagine. But I was so impressed with, as a reader, I felt like I was there. And I felt like I was watching your story 
And it's, I think that's why it's resonating with so many people. It's really moving to feel like you're with someone in a moment. And I'm so impressed with how you accomplished that. I don't even know what my question is. I just want to say that's awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You know, I, you know, I've been thinking about that one and I, and, and someone asked me recently a separate question about my actor. Right. And I was sort of going into the, you know, answering about it. And then I reflected after, you know, a little later and I said to myself, Oh, you know, I really think being an actor in a lot of ways mm. helped me to put people, put the reader really in my body in the scene because I oh. think of things in my body. As for, I mean, my job as an actor is, right, is to be, bring to light the human experience through movement, behavior, and my instrument, my physical instrument is my craft, right? <laughs> and so, so when I went to a different medium like the page and writing, I feel like unconsciously I sort of carried all of that over to the page, right? And I kept, and the other big thing is because the book has so many sensory details Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. food and place that I really knew I had to kind of try to give the reader as much of what that felt like and smelled like and looked like because I wanted to keep them present, right, with me each time, you know. And so it was, I, I didn't always know I was doing it consciously, but I can see now, you know, on this side of it, I'm like, oh, I really think that a part of being an actor helped, being having been married to a chef and, like, trying to sort of recreate the flavor profile and, like, really explain what that is. Like, really, for someone who's never, ever seen that, how do I do that on the page? You did. I did ask myself those questions many, many, many times because I know some people will never taste it or will never go to that place. And yet I, it's my, I do know that it's our job as writers is to transport the reader there. That's what I was hoping to do. You did. So I appreciate you, that you say that. Yeah, you accomplished it and it was a sensory experience for the reader. And I'm so impressed with that. And obviously, as you said, food is basically a character in the book. And mm-hmm. um, from the beginning to end, because your husband was a chef, he he made, he kind of wooed you using yes, he did. his talent. Yes, he did. <laughs> and um, then in, after he passed, food then awakened you again. I'm wondering how do you how do you explain that? What the heck is it about food that does that to us? Oh gosh, I I feel like I could spend a lifetime trying to yeah. puzzle that out. I mean, one of the, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I think the book was sort of me trying to answer that question, right? Yeah, yeah. And in a certain sense, because one, I mean, like, let's just speak on the most basic, you know, sort of cellular bio, biology level. Like, we need it to live, yes. <laughs> right? So, and we engage in it typically, you know, three times a day, mm-hmm. right? We're going to have, so at three times a day, we're sitting down and we're being asked to engage with our palate. We're being asked to nourish our bodies. And then having been married to a chef, what got layered into to my life and my understanding of my experience with food is that I'm also in communion with like the planet and nature and mm. food and, and, and where this comes from and the season, right? Because, you know, the tomato in January does not taste mm. like the tomato in August. That's such a good Just point. Just doesn't taste the same, right? <laughs> and like a chef is like, yeah, we're skipping tomatoes in January. Not kind of doing it. You know what I mean? Like not doing it. <laughs> you know, so, right. so, and then I would remember when I would eat a tomato in January, like, and it wouldn't taste right. 
after he, this is after his passing, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's right, because that was, you know, like, you start, rem- then the memory comes right in immediately, right? The memory of every time you had a tomato, and it, you know, it didn't taste right, and the times it did taste right. And so, all of a sudden, there's like no separation in our psyche between, you know, the pleasure or displeasure of food and memory and a person, because often we're breaking bread with another human and I, and, and, and what that feels like from our earliest memories of being fed by mom, you know, to, and certainly I think in grief, the fact that we, I didn't want to eat, I couldn't really mm. eat, food had no taste to it. And that was another kind of um, loss for me, having mm. been married to a chef. The fact that food tasted like shit yeah. and I didn't want, it was like, I had a whole, I had a whole new relationship with it because I was missing his cooking. I was also missing eating with him next to me and the conversation. I mean, just eating alone. Like suddenly I was eating alone after not eating alone. I mean, Mm. I was eating with my daughter when she was home for dinner. But during the day, you know, I was eating by myself. And which may seem very like normal and pedestrian for many people, but for, that was not normal in my life. So three times a day I had to confront his loss in a different way because he was a chef. That's in a way that if he's been a lawyer or, I don't know, you know, a teacher <laughs> or something else, you know, or a steel worker, who knows? You know, it, I would have had to do it. But I each day open my refrigerator and I'd be like, oh, you know, why isn't the milk in the place that it should be? Do you know what I mean? Because he would put it there. His knives, everything about moving about my kitchen and, you know, everything was just different. So it was a very, I couldn't escape it. And I had to escort my way back. And that's part of why I found myself in Sicily was that way of trying to escort my way back to those most, to, 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 to healing and food and flavor at its essential, at its most essential. Well, and I, I'm sure a lot of readers were like me at the end where you're just like thinking, I want to eat all this food. And then you did all, all of us a favor by providing us a, a guide, some recipes to I make know. these beautiful dishes. That's genius. Oh my- gosh well you know it's it, I always felt like it would be wonderful to have recipes in the book and, and then I was like is anybody gonna get this like and I didn't want to because I was like it's not a cookbook <laughs> you know and yes. when I was trying to sell the book on proposal I was like no I don't really want like a recipe at the end of every chapter it's more like I really want people to stay in the story but then this is like a button at the end of the book it's like a bonus right yeah. it's like maybe it's just, it's just coming to me now but like you know you watch a great film and then if you want to watch like the director's comments at yeah. the end you know what I mean <laughs> like it's sort of something like that you know I always and I wanted Sado's way. I wanted his food to be very present as well. And my mother and yeah, I just so I felt like I didn't and I didn't. I just didn't know how to execute it. And then I was like, fine, I'm just gonna put them at the at the back of the book. And it remind. And I was always really influenced early by a book like Water for Chocolate, which Mm -hmm. also is like family narrative with food. Of course, theirs is done in you know the narrative is like every month, and there's you know uh, so it's you know twelve and twelve recipes. But this was different, so I just. Yeah, I, I like it. And I like the fact that readers are telling me, you know, I made this for my kid and we How had it cool this Sunday. That? It was delicious. Oh, my gosh. It's the best. Or I tried this and it's great and we're having a party. And I mean, I mean, come on. Like Sato's <laughs> with everybody in their kitchens all around America right now. I mean, that's pretty darn cool. It's cool. <laughs> well, I've never been in the position that where I had to be a caregiver. I have a son, but mm. I, I've never had anybody who was sick in that way. And I was wondering for you personally, as you're caring for someone for a decade, obviously it changes you cellularly. 
Um, were you aware of changes in you or does that happen after where you reflect on it? Um, yeah, I was aware that things were changing, mm-hmm. you know, in me because certainly, I mean, and sometimes I couldn't tease out what was just like, because it was over 10 years, what was driven by caregiving, yeah. what was driven by the fact that I was also moving into a different decade of my life, right? right. I was 31 right. when he was diagnosed. So who I was at 31 is going to be different than who I was at 41, even if there had been no caregiving, mm-hmm. right? And I also became a mother in the midst of all of that. So I also motherhood changed me. But specifically, I was aware that caregiving first, the first place I really noticed it was around... Um, in our relationship, in our marriage, like it sort of changed the, the DNA of our marriage. Mm-hmm. It changed the dynamic. I shouldn't say not the DNA because the DNA was locked and loaded and solid. And I think that's how we were able to really navigate that decade and be actually more in love and deeper friends and more connected um, because we were really solid from the beginning. However, what it did was it changed, you know, and I think I can speak bluntly with, you know, the Brain Candy yes. podcast folks, but like it changes, <laughs> you know, sexuality, it changes your roles in your marriage, like a lot changes. So I could see it there initially and like the kind of wife I thought I was versus the kind of wife I was being asked to be mm. and where I would push back, where I'd feel resentful, where I would, could, was more willing. Like I had to clock for myself who was I, yes. you know, because I, life was asking something incredibly great of me, uh, incredibly expansive of me. And sometimes I was, you know, I did want to do it. Sometimes I didn't. And I wasn't sure who that made me. You know? yeah. And then, and then like on a physical level, I was also tired a lot. Yeah. So I felt like I, my body was changing. I sometimes I just felt like really worn down. You know, I just like I couldn't exercise as much. You know, I just was in the throes of it. And of course, over a decade, you know, there it ebbed and flowed. There were peak times when, you know, things were a little more normative, right? And then there were times where it was really critical for like months on end. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, and I guess I a part of the, when I began writing was during that process. And I think in some ways that was the way. I was trying to monitor or check in or understand the changes that were happening in my life by writing about it. Like writing actually told me how I was feeling because it was too big to kind of have out in a conversation. And there were certain things I couldn't take to him to talk about. Right. No, you know what I mean? I needed to kind of handle them either with my therapist or on the page or with a friend. And then I could, but I couldn't data. I couldn't just dump offload all kinds of feelings onto him because he's having his own and he's in chemotherapy. (laughs) you know you can't do that you know it's too much and by the way same thing with him so we learned over a period of time that we each kind of had to sort of we always had a baseline of we're going to be honest we're not going to withhold but I don't have to withhold right this moment and maybe I need to process this before I speak it yeah oh that's a tough one I'm not real good at that that is tough girl (laughs) it is incredibly tough (laughs) it's like Hard work. It's amazing. It's like the hard work on top of the hard work. (laughs) In the book, you say love required more than I felt I was capable of doing. And I think we can all relate to that feeling. But you demonstrated the way that love is a verb. It's a command to rise. And you did. And I just, I think it's so inspiring to the rest of us who get to enjoy the story now and honor your relationship and the love that you have with your family. Um, 
And how about how you're super fancy and like Reese Witherspoon's all singing your praises now? The oh my heck? God. Okay. Can we discuss? <laughs> Can we discuss? Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, right? When she made that announcement on Instagram, I re- it's like one of those things that I will always remember the day. <laughs> I remember what I was doing. I was having espresso in the kitchen. And like, I go onto my Instagram and like, Reese, and she, her name, my name came out of her mouth. And. <laughs> She's holding the book. And I was just sort of like, it was surreal. And I cried and I laughed and I felt this immense gratitude. And, you know, she is such an incredible human. Yes. She's an incredible storyteller as an artist, as a producer, as a, you know, it it just in life. And so what I, I just feel so honored that one, this story touched her heart, resonated with her. And two, that then she would choose to say, let's share this. I feel like this needs to be shared with the world. And, um, I mean, come on, you know, she's just, I mean, her sense of women's empowerment and that the whole sense of hope and uplift and like the fact that she's real. I mean, she's a, she's real. Reese is real. You know, I mean, we have a bet. It's not like we're besties in any stretch of the (laughs) But my sense of her always prior to this was that sense of, oh, no, 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 she's, she's real people. Like she's just real. And, and, and what she's choosing to do, you know, with her company and around work and the book club it's just the diversity of the story she's telling yeah. and really asking people to be em- empathetic and think broadly and deeply about what matters and also be an agent of change it's yeah cool. and now you're so like cool. in the cool club dang <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> does it make you want to write more or are I, you like i, I, I peaked too early <laughs> Or no, I'm like, I'm just like trying to figure out how to get my laundry done. <laughs> I love it. Um, we have one question we ask everybody at the end, which is, uh, what do you keep in the trunk of your car if you have a car? Okay, so yes. I have a Prius wagon. Okay. So I have a big space back there, which is effectively a trunk. Yes. I have. I'm very LA, so I have an earthquake backpack oh my which god has this is awesome four-year-old food in it <laughs> <laughs> that will never help me <laughs> in the event of an earthquake <laughs> and yet i feel this sense of pride that i have quote unquote the earthquake kit in the trunk of my car <laughs> i have discarded trader joe bag shopping bags yes because obviously you need those to go to the market right yes. And um, I have a sun hat and a yoga mat oh, that wow. I have not used in probably six months. <laughs> oh, my God. A latent yoga mat. Because I have this idea that I'll, like, take it and do yoga in the park somewhere. And you it never, never know. You n- <laughs> it's never well, that's true. that's true. It's there. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll do it this afternoon. I like how prepared you are. Is that well, your nature? It kind of is. I think I do come by that from caregiving, contingency planning, apocalyptic planning, yeah. all of that. But then I don't I don't have the time and the bandwidth to update. So the food is four years old. <laughs> like it's actually not gonna help me. <laughs> you know are they I mean? like uh, um, granola bars or are they canned goods? What are we dealing with? No, I had like granola bar. I think there's some there's some my daughter um camps a lot with her school. So <laughs> there's like some freeze-dried food that yeah. actually might work yeah. there's water i mean it's not a lot and they always say i think which i think is very funny the experts on earthquake kits 
in LA say, have an extra pair of shoes because if you're across town, right, and you have to like get to the other side, and if you're in heels because you were just at a meeting, you're not going to be able to walk across town in heels, mm-hmm. and you're going to need another pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. So I have old sneakers that look so beat up and sad. That's <laughs> a good like, idea. Oh, yeah. No, they say throw the old. So I like before I th- I was like, oh, I'll just donate those. I was like, oh nope, put them in the back of my oh car. My so God. my car looks a little bananas. Like there's a lot <laughs> happening in the back. <laughs> there's a lot going on there, which kind of tells you a lot about where. I am right, right that's our like, theory about the trunk question. It always reveals where <laughs> people are, and th- you do have a lot going on in your trunk and otherwise. So I think it suits <laughs> that's true. you. That's true. <laughs> well, that's true. I hope everybody reads your book from scratch. It's phenomenal obviously it's beautiful you. you're so talented and i hope you're i know it's chaotic right now but i do hope you're able to really enjoy and breathe it in and enjoy just this moment oh thank you so much and i am and luckily i'm blessed to have people around me who are like hey let's just go take a walk yeah. have some coffee, you know have a tea and th- that's really great yeah you and can I'm just so be a human with them yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. So, well, thank you so much. You guys are the best, and I feel so happy that we got to chat today. Me too. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.